All right, so this summer we have been going through the book of Psalms, right? And uh, each week we've been picking a psalm to go through, and it's been great to just dive into the Word and, and dissect uh, what God is trying to teach us. And so today I want to talk about Psalm 101. Um, so in my life, as I grow in my faith, as I mature, um, there are standards that I have set for myself. Like there are standards that God lays out in the Bible, um, the way I want to live, the people that I let into my life. Right, boundaries that I set up, different things like that. Does anyone else kind of have that in their life, standards that you live by? Anyone? Yeah? Um, and so we see here in the Bible that Christ has done this for us. He's set standards, thing, things we should do, things we shouldn't do. And I know some people might say, oh, well, that sounds kind of legalistic. Like, isn't that like the law? That's Old Testament. Uh, like, isn't that done with? And what we need to understand is that when Christ died on the cross for us, uh, the law was fulfilled, Right? And so the law can't save us. Like, we can't do enough things to earn heaven. Or we can't avoid enough things to be saved. The only way that we can be saved is through the cross of Christ, right? And so it's not a legalistic thing um, that he sets standards and says, do these things, don't do these things. It's because he knows what is best for us, right? He knows that, hey, if you do these things, our relationship is going to be better. If you don't do these things, our relationship is going to be better. Life is going to go better for you. And you can also think of it like this, like I think of my kids or think of your kids. Like you have rules, right? You have expectations for them. Is it because you don't want them to have any fun? Like you just want to suck the fun out of their life? No, right? It's because you know what is best for them, right? You know that it's not smart for a teenager to stay out uh, past, you know, midnight and doing drugs and doing this or that, right? You know it's not going to go well for them. So you have a curfew. You have expectations, things they shouldn't do. And the same is for us with Christ. He does it because he knows what is best for us. And all over the Bible, God says, okay, you want to live a holy life? You want to live a righteous life? You want to be close to me? These are things you should do, right? These are standards that I have for you. And one, one of the places that we find that is in Psalm 101. And so Psalm 101 was written by King David. Do you all remember King David? Uh-oh, yes, good. Whew. Okay, so yeah, King David. And a lot of commentators say, okay, he's just become king. He hasn't really ruled for very long yet. And now he's writing out uh, kind of standards he has, how he wants to live his life. He wants to live a blameless life. He wants to do things right. He wants to be holy. He wants to be righteous. wants to live out what God has for him. And so he talks about things that he should do and things that he shouldn't do. And so we can see in here, God is speaking through David, and we... Like, we should follow these things too, right? That he says, okay, if you want to live a holy and righteous life, like David, David was a man, his heart was for God. Like, he was a godly man. So maybe we should look at the things um, that God is speaking through him. So what I want to do is I just want to go ahead and read the psalm to start out. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up, Psalm 101. If you do not have a Bible, uh, there should be a black hardback cover Bible in the pews there. That's NIV. That's what we're reading out of. Otherwise... It will be up on the screen. Before that, though, let's just go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this day. Uh, we thank you that we all made it here safe today, that we have this awesome family that we can gather with uh, to praise your name and to learn from you. I pray that we would grow in our faith today, God, that we would build relationships with each other, relationships that would spark us on to your love, God, and to have more faith in you. I pray that this day would be amazing and that we would learn something new. In Jesus' name we pray. All right, let's go ahead and read Psalm 101. I will sing of your love and justice. To you, Lord, I will sing. 
I will be careful to lead a blameless life. When will you come to me? I will conduct the affairs of my house with a blameless heart. I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. I hate, when faith, I hate what faithless people do. I will have no part in it. The perverse of heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with what is evil. Whoever slanders their neighbor in secret, I will put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, I will not tolerate. My eyes will be on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. The one whose walk is blameless will minister to me. No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. Every morning, I will put to silence all the wicked in the land. I will cut off every evildoer from the city of God. And so we see here that David, he lists things that he wants to avoid, right? He says, I don't want to do these things because they're not godly things, right? These things will pull me away from God. My relationship with him won't be as good if I do these things. And he also talks about things he wants to do. In our lives, we should do the same thing. We should have those standards saying, okay, we don't want to do this, but we also need to have something we're working towards. Because in life, you don't want to just run from something, right? Like, you don't want to just run from sin. We want to run to something. And ultimately, we want to run to Christ, right? And so we want to run to him and all that he has for us. And so what I did was I broke down Psalm 101, um, and I, uh, I took a few of the things that David says, okay, avoid this, and a few of the things that he says to do. So we'll start off uh, with the things to avoid. And again, David is saying, if I, if I don't do these things, then my relationship with God is going to be better. I'm going to be able to stay focused on him. But if I do these things, it's going to pull me away from him, all right? It's going to hinder my relationship with him. So first thing is this. David says, avoid looking at wickedness. We find this in verse 3. He says, I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. And so you know right away when I say this what it is for you in your life. Like what are the wicked things that go through your head and in your heart? You're the only one who knows that. And for me, um, as a man, the first thing I think of is lust, right? So looking at things that I shouldn't look at, um, you know, looking at women in a way that I shouldn't. And as a young man growing up, when I would fall short in that area, guess what? I didn't, I wasn't close to Christ. When I would fall short in that area, my relationship with him was strained. And the reason that was is because I, I would do these things, fall short. There was shame and there was guilt. And would that cause me to run to Jesus? No. I would run farther into the things that I shouldn't be doing, right? And it was a downward, downward spiral. And so you're the only one who's going to know what it is for you. But David's saying, don't, don't do things that are wicked. Don't look at things that are wicked, right? And so we've all seen things that we shouldn't have. We've all done things we shouldn't have, or maybe uh, we've approved of things, maybe in the world or in our country, that just weren't right. Things that were evil, and we justified it for personal gain, political gain, whatever it is. And what I love about David is he says, no, I'm not having that anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm only going to approve of things that are holy in my life. I'm going to get rid of the things that are wicked. I'm going to cut off the things that are evil, because I know that's the only way that I'm going to have a good relationship with my creator. So that's the first one. Avoid looking at wickedness. Second one is this. Avoid evil associates. Verse 4 says, The perverse of heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with what is evil. And David here, he's saying, I'm not going to let people who are evil into my inner circle. Like my core group of friends, the people that I go to, they need to be godly people in my life. 
right? Um, because you're going to become like the people you're closest to. Anyone in here have teenagers? A couple of people? Yeah, teenagers? Awesome. So have you ever noticed like maybe your kid starts hanging out with someone new and maybe that kid kind of has a bad attitude or some bad tendencies and now all of a sudden your kid is talking back or coming home late or not answering their phone when they should? Why does that happen? It's because the people you hang around are going to influence you. You are going to become like the people that you are closest to. One of my pastors uh, in the past, Jerry Stranquist, used to say this all the time. He said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. The people that you are close to, the people you hang out with, that's who you're going to become. If you hang out with losers, you're going to be a loser, right? But if you hang out with godly, good, moral people, that is who you're going to become. So David's saying, I'm going to have people in my life who are godly and who are holy. Now, does this mean that the only people we can hang out with is Christian goody-two-shoes? No, not at all. Our calling is to leave this place and to go out into the world and to interact with people who have different beliefs than us, different backgrounds, right, all of that. We can be friends with people who are not Christians. But what David is saying and what God is saying is your core group the people who hold you up, they need to have faith in Jesus Christ. The people that you go to for encouragement and for accountability, they need to be godly people. They need to be people who are going to draw you closer to Christ. And so, like, I need a group of friends uh, that, like, if I go to them and I say, oh, my gosh, Brooke is doing this and that, and she's just, not that she would ever do anything wrong, okay? But, but I'm like, man, Brooke is, Brooke is being this and that. I need guys in my life who will say, hey, do you remember seven years ago when you stood up there and got married and you said all those vows and all that? Yeah, maybe you should stop whining, you know? Like, that, those are the kind of people I need in my life, people who will bring me back to what is true and to what is good. And that's the kind of people God wants in your life. Proverbs 11.20 says, The Lord detests those whose hearts are perverse, but he, want, but he delights in those whose ways are blameless. God wants you to be a part of the body of Christ, okay? And that's what we are here. Um, and so we're going to fall short, right? But we're going to continue to strive to be like Christ. We're going to rally around each other, and we find hope in re and redemption in our Savior. So that's the second one, avoid evil associates. And the third one is this, avoid slander. We find that in verse 5. He says, whoever slanders their neighbor in secret, I will put to silence. And what David is talking about here is talking about someone behind their back or saying false things about someone or gossiping about someone. And David's saying, this is an evil thing. And as Christians, I think um, sometimes we don't understand how evil gossip and talking about people behind their back is. It is an evil thing. It's a wicked thing. And it has no place in the kingdom of God. And we've all done it, right? We've all done it, but it's something we need to avoid. Proverbs 16, 28 says, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. God wants us to avoid this. Right? If you have a problem with someone, just talk to them. If you have a concern about someone, go talk to them. Confront them about it. David even goes as far to say, um, if you are in a group of people and they are saying something bad about someone else, shut it down. Shut it down. Especially if you're in a group of believers and they're saying something about someone else, hold them accountable. Call them out on it. That's what we're called to do. Avoiding this is really important, especially as a body of Christ. Because sometimes we think, oh, it's just words. But the words that we speak are so powerful and have spiritual implications. And the things that we say within the body of Christ about each other, behind each other's backs, 
guess what? Satan is going to take those things and he's going to run with it. And he's going to turn those words into things that you wouldn't even believe. And it's going to cause dysfunction and division within our family. And that's something we do not want. So avoid slander. Remove yourself from people who won't stop it. Okay? If you have a group of friends that this is what they do, they talk bad about each other, and they won't stop, maybe it's time for a new group of friends. You don't want to live in that kind of environment. So those are the three things David says, okay, we should avoid that. Avoid wickedness, evil associates, and slander. And so as Christians, we're going to run from those things because they're not holy. They're going to take us away from the path that we, we are on uh, of faith. But what should we run to? The easy answer is Christ. Okay, but how does that look? And so we'll see here in Psalm 101, uh, things to do. All right, things to do. First thing is this, and I love that it's the first, uh, give praise to God. Psalm 101.1, I will sing of your love and justice. To you, Lord, I will sing praise. David knows, okay, it's the first thing he says. He knows that without God, he cannot achieve the things that God has for him. He cannot be the man that God has him to be. He cannot do the ministry that God has for him without a foundation in Christ. To stay pure, to stay godly, we need Christ. And it starts the psalm because it's the most important thing. And so you can come to church, you can do all these things, you can avoid sin. But if Christ isn't the center, if he's not the foundation, then all those other things were done in vain. All those things don't matter. If Christ isn't Lord of your life and he doesn't have your heart, then you don't understand what Christianity is all about. It has to be him first. So that's the first thing. Give praise to God. Second thing is this. I'm very passionate about this probably because I fall short in it, but to run a godly household. This is super important. 101.2 says, I will conduct the affairs of my house with a blameless heart. And so you all are here today. We come to church on Sunday, right? We come in here and we, we praise God and we dive into the word and we, we speak life into each other. But what are we teaching our kids at home? What are we teaching our kids at home? Because sending our kid up to kids' church for one hour or sending them to youth group for one hour that doesn't teach them that Jesus is the Lord of our life. Like, there's more to that. What are we showing them at home? There's a saying that I love. It's called, it's, it's this. More is caught than taught. Your kids are going to do what you do, not what you say. And so you can tell them till you're blue in the face that God is important and Jesus died for you and he, he, he wants your heart. But if you're not living that out, why would they? Why would they? Right? They're going to do what you do. So if, you're, if you say, okay, oh, yeah, God is important to us, but then your kids never see you open your Bible. Or you say, yeah, God is the center of our life, but your kids have never had you lay your hands on them and pray over them. You say, God is the center of our life, but sports or school or whatever it is always trumps church. Then what does that show them? It shows them what is important. Monkey see, monkey do, Right? They are going to see what you do, and that is what they are going to follow. So if you want your kids to be godly people, if you want them to open up their Bible, then you got to open up yours. And that is super, super important. So set standards for your home. In my home, we have some standards that we set. We fall short in this, right? But in the Maxwell house, here are a few of the things that we like to live by. First thing is this. We want to always speak life and not death. We want positivity in our house. We want to speak the word of God over our children, right? We want to encourage them in the gifts that he has and speak life into them. We don't want to tear our kids down. Second thing is this. We choose faith over fear. And so in the world today, 
whatever it may be, um, during the economy, if the economy is bad, during crazy political times right now, stuff that's going on in the border, whatever it may be, we don't fear those things in our house. You guys, I've read the end of this. Like, we know what happens. Christ is victorious. And so anything that happens here in this country or on this earth or in our town, like, I know what happens. And so we live by faith. We don't live in a household that is full of fear. And that we work hard to honor God in all we do. So whatever we do, coming to church, going to work, uh, going out on dates, right, protecting our marriage, whatever it may be, we do it all to glorify God. And again, I fall short in this area. And you know what's great about falling short is that Christ says that's okay. Like, you don't have to be perfect. And when I fall short, it's a great opportunity for me to sit my kids down, right? So if I say something I shouldn't have, I get to sit my kids down and say, hey, guess what? Daddy made a mistake. Daddy talked to mom in a way that he shouldn't have. Or daddy snapped at you when he shouldn't have, right? Will you forgive daddy? Right, and I get to humble myself and show them that even I still have found forgiveness in Christ, right? And that when they fall short, it's okay, right, because of the cross. And we keep moving forward from there. So have expectations for your kids in your home, right? Now, obviously, as your kids grow, those expectations are going to change, right? Quick story here. So our kids right now are Rachel's four and Lucas is six. About a year ago, so Rachel's three, uh, we were hanging out at the house. We had some youth students over, and we put Rachel up for a nap. And like 20 or 30 minutes later, all of a sudden, everyone's like, like, what is that smell? And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, no. And so I run upstairs open Rachel's door, underwear off, poop all over the ground, in her fingernails, all over, right? I'm like, okay, it's all right, not too bad. I walk in the room, turn around. She drew all over the wall, poop everywhere, smeared in, like, oh, it was ridiculous, right? Now, funny story. Now, how do you think I reacted? She's three years old. Like, okay, I was about to gag. Like, that was one reaction. But then she's my little baby girl, right? Like, I'm not going to be upset with her for that. Like, she didn't know, right? So we cleaned it up or whatever. But now imagine this. Imagine if she was 15 years old, and I walk in, and she's drying with poop on the wall, right? My expectation, my reaction might be a little different, right? And so the same goes uh, for us in life. Like, so you have expectations for your kids. God also has different expectations for us as we grow in our faith, so like a baby, when they come out of the womb, like we don't just expect that they walk and get a job and pay their taxes. No, right? Like you grow and you mature in life. And the same is with our relationship with Christ. So if you're a baby Christian in here, you're a new believer, guess what's going to happen? You're going to fall down a lot. That's what babies do, right? But as you grow in your faith, God is going to equip you and you're going to grow and he's going to show you how to not fall down so much. Right? And so have expectations and standards that are con- continually growing as you grow in your faith. So make God the center of your house. So that's the second one, run a godly household. And then the last thing to do is this. Surround yourself with the faithful. Psalm 101.6. My eyes will be on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. The one whose walk is blameless will minister to me. Now, this ties back in to one of the things we should avoid, right? We said avoid evil associates. So David, again, is saying, okay, who am I going to let into my inner circle? Who am I going to let in my life? Who am I going to let mentor me? Who am I going to look up to? Who do I go to for prayer, for advice? And God wants us to choose people who know him to be close to us in our life, to be our mentors. And so if you're in here 
um, and you don't have a godly core group, you're not going to be able to accomplish the thing that God has for you in life. Each and every one of us in this room, we have a specific calling, a specific ministry on your life, whether that's being a pastor, whether that's uh, being a teacher, being a parent, being a business owner, whatever it is, you have a specific call on your life. And if you don't have people around you to hold you up, to encourage you, to hold you accountable, you will fail. You will not be able to do what God has for you. We were not meant to do this alone. It's called the body of Christ for a reason. And that's what I love about our church because we're very intentional about relationships with each other. That's one thing that's super, super important to us. And so it's great to see different generations commingling together, right? We have older generations mentoring younger generations. We have people from all different kinds of backgrounds, people who have been Christians for 50 years or for one year, and we all come together for a common goal, and that's to praise God, to glorify God, for him to work through us in our lives. And that's what, that's what I love about this place. And if you don't have a godly group, core group of friends, I would encourage you to start looking. And so maybe you're newer here or you just haven't really got plugged in. I want to encourage you, start getting involved. Start coming to some events, the men's coffee, different Bible studies that we do throughout the year, the summer palooza things. Because guess what? The people of Homestead, they're going to invite you in as family. Okay, people who aren't like that, people who aren't inviting, uh, they don't last here at this church. Okay, people, like we don't care how much money you make. We don't care what your job is. We don't care what your background is. It doesn't matter. We all are one family. The only thing that we want is for us to all be united in Christ, right? That is the common theme with us at this church. So show up, get involved, and God will show you um, the, the godly people that he has for you. So those are the three things that we can do. Praise God, run a godly household, and surround yourself with the faithful. And so Psalm 101, um, it's a great re reminder of how we should walk out our faith. Right? It's a great reminder of how God has set standards. And he said, if you do these things, if you don't do these things, like, then life is going to go better for you. Your relationship with me will be stronger. It doesn't mean you're not going to have valleys. It doesn't mean you're not going to you know, walk through hard times. But I'm going to be right by you during those times. And so see, he says, do these things, and I will be there with you. And it comes back to when we are saved, right? When you first profess your faith to God. He comes into your heart and he transforms it. And so we don't do these things because we're trying to earn God's love or earn heaven. No, he transforms your heart and he starts to transform your life. And you realize, okay, I don't want to do those things that I used to do. Like I want to I wanna be a holy person. I want to approve of things that are godly. And those are the things that I want to do in my life. So we have standards. We walk out a certain way in our life and we, and we do it to honor God. And the great thing is we don't have to be perfect. Like, that's why he went to the cross. That's why he died for us. But as our life goes on, we should see progress, right? So we don't want to stay like me today. I don't want to stay where I am in the areas that I fall short. I want to grow, right? I want my standards and expectations are going to grow. And, yeah, I'm going to take steps backward, but I'm always looking forward to trying to be more and more like Christ in that process of sanctification. So as we close here, I just want to ask you this. Like, where do you stand in how you live out your faith in life? Like, are you someone who, who just comes to church on Sunday and that's kind of it? Because if that's you, you need a new hobby. You need a new hobby. Like, this isn't, we don't just come here just because, oh, you're supposed to go to church. No, we want to live out our faith outside of this place. There's no magic in here. This is just where we come together to learn, to praise God, 
right, to encourage each other, to build each other up. But what you need to hear is that what you do outside of this place is just as important as what you do inside this place. And the harsh truth is, is that if you don't have faith outside of this place, then you don't have faith. And that's a really hard thing for people to hear, but I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't tell you what this book says. Like, God needs to be the Lord of your life. He wants your whole heart. He doesn't just want one hour on Sunday. So take a poll of your life. Like, do you actually live out your faith? Do you actually have a relationship with him? You need to be honest with yourself. Are you living out your faith? And guess what? If you're in here today and you're saying, you know what? No. I haven't made him Lord of my life. I don't live out my faith. That's okay. Because now you know. Right? Now you know. And you've been honest with yourself. And guess what? Now you can move forward. And, and the Bible says it's easy as giving your heart to him. Professing that he is Lord. That he is God. And guess what? He's going to come in. And he's going to transform your life. And he's going to transform your heart. And then you can begin to walk forward in what he has for you. And that specific calling that he has for each of us, that is the only way you're going to be able to carry that out, is if you give everything to him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for the opportunity to be up here and to praise your name and to preach your word, God. I pray that the Holy Spirit is in this place right now working on people's hearts that need working on. I pray that people who don't have a real relationship with you, God, um, that you would show them that, that you would show them that, hey, I, you need to give your heart over to me. You need to give your life over to me. It's not about just doing these things or don't doing these things. It, it is about a change of heart. And I pray, God, as we mature in our faith, as we grow in our faith, that we would continue to set standards for ourselves and look in the Bible and see the standards that you have for us so we could continue to grow more and more like you. And God, I pray for everyone in this room um, because everyone here has a call on their life. Everyone has someone that they need to uh, preach the gospel to. Everyone here has someone that, that they need to be an example to or whatever it may be. God, show them what that is and show them that you want to walk a lot alongside them as they fulfill that ministry in their life. I pray that they would understand that Having faith in you doesn't mean an easy life. doesn't mean it's not going to be rocky sometimes, but that you will always be with us. And that in the end, we, we know what happens. We know what happens at the end of the book, that you have won victorious, that you died on the cross, that you defeated death, you fulfilled the law, and one day we will be in glory with you. So God, once again, we praise you and we thank you. And I pray that everyone has a safe week. I pray that um, our team in Panama gets home safe, God. And we can't wait to hear the amazing stories and testimonies of what you have done in Panama. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.